Push the red button if you think you're ready. I'm always ready. Here goes. A new section called the ice cream scoop. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Odyssey Scoopcast, your source for the latest adventures in Odyssey news, still in podcast form. I'm your host for this episode, Garrett Vandenberg. Let's get scooped. So, although the Iliad House Kickstarter we mentioned in last episode did not meet its rather ambitious goal of $100,000, Phil Lawler and the team have started a new Kickstarter campaign for only $25,000, which I think is a really meetable goal. So if you want to help them out with launching that show, you can head over to kickstarter.com right now and search Iliad House, and then donate. The only difference between this one and the last one is that this one will only fund the pilot season, so I'm sure after it we'll probably have another Kickstarter, or hopefully this pilot season will sell well enough that they won't even have to Kickstart it again, they'll just be able to use the budget they have and make the first season. Other than that, though, I don't want to waste too much of your time because I know you're all very excited to hear part two of our interview with Phil Lawler, so I'm just going to play that right now. Roll film. Tape. Or tape. Or I guess just press play on the... Digital file thing. We don't have tapes anymore. Nobody uses tapes. I remember reading the uh, complete guide. I always wanted to call it the official guide, but that was uh, that was Hubler's version. We're so fascinated and very inspired by just the effort that went into the pre-production of that show. Um, I remember reading about, I believe it was you and Steve Harris talking about what you wanted to name the show and and what you wanted the name of the main character to be and all the backstory to Mr. Whitaker that for years wouldn't come to light. What are some of those steps that you would take to building a character? One of the things that I did for Odyssey and that I've done for uh, pretty much everything that I've been a part of was there was a writer in early television, his name is Patty Chayefsky. When he switched over to movies and started writing movies, one of the things that he did was that before he ever wrote a word of dialogue, before he ever wrote a page, he mapped out the whole history of every character and every situation that those characters had faced up to that point. And the theory is that, you know, if you don't know everything there is to know about it, how can you make it real? So you got to know everything there possibly can be, you know, that you within your power to know. Um, you know, even if it's just minute details of what people like to eat for breakfast and, you know, how they like to sleep on their side or they like to sleep on their back. All that plays into it because it goes to make the characters three-dimensional and real characters instead of just sort of cliched characters. And mm-hmm. you can draw from that. And, you know, obviously I think it all of that, I did that with Odyssey and I think it worked. That's probably a big reason why Odyssey, it felt natural whenever things like that would happen because it's not like, oh, well, what's the idea now? Oh, we'll just come up with this and you can mess with continuity. Yeah. But to me, at times, I mean, that can seem like, You'll never get to tell all that. So, like, say a series ends, and then you've got all this stuff, like, oh, I wrote all that history, now I'll never get to reveal it. That's certainly one way to look at it. That's very disappointing if you've spent all of this time and effort to try to create something, and now the series is over, and you're never going to be able to release that. Or you can take a look at it and say, in the life of a writer, if you consider yourself to be a writer, and you're disciplining yourself to... uh, master the craft of writing you realize that nothing is ever wasted you should always save everything that you do because you never know when you're going to be able to use it in another project and plus just doing that often you begin to fine-tune your abilities to be able to make those sort of histories and build up a story and a world to build your story into one of the challenges i would imagine and something that i've ran into is with movies 
you can use visuals. You know, with a book, you have narrative. You can just explain, this person is a father. And, but with audio drama, it's like neither of those two aspects are there. So everything has to be done. Every backstory uh, has to be creatively done through the dialogue. Um, yes. How do you do that in a way that isn't just completely noticeable, like two people talking to each other and saying, well, we both know that. Again, it's part of the craft. You realize fairly early on that writing for an audio radio program, a drama is far different from any kind of writing that you're going to do. It's very close to stage writing, to writing for the theater, but it's not quite there because you still have visuals in the theater. Parts of it are very much like television writing if it's an ongoing series because you have those kinds of story arcs, but you don't have the visuals. Everything happens in the voices and everything happens with the effects. So you, again, have to figure out ways to do that. Now, there are a lot of people who say that using a narrator is cheating, I think that using a narrator is perfectly fine and perfectly legitimate. In fact, I think that using a narrator can be a real plus depending on how you write the narrator stuff. Uh -huh. So, uh, you know, if it's just flat out, okay, he's moving there and he did this and he's moving here and he's doing that, well, then, yeah, that's not going to work out. But if you can figure out a way to make the narrator creative as well, then you've got something, another tool that you can use. And sometimes you just realize that you got to have them. I mean, if you're going to do a big action sequence, everybody who's listening has got to understand the geography of what's going on. Yeah, there's still a little bit of element of you can set a scene up a little bit with just the sound effects and stuff. Like, I, th I don't know if you've listened to uh, Gap Digital. They put out uh, the Left Behind series. They made an entire audio drama of it. The production, I found, was just really cool. They did some really creative stuff. At one point, I remember there was a full minute and a half with no dialogue, and the story was just entirely being told by the sound effects. Like, a guy pulls up to a place... And he stops in his car, he gets out of the car, and he walks down the street, goes into this building, and you can tell exactly where he's going. Right. You can tell what kind of a building it is just by the reverb. And, you yeah. Know, it's yeah. But see, what's really interesting about what you said is you're describing the scene as you're going along. And if I were listening to that scene, this is the wonderful thing, which is why I think that audio and radio dramas are the best way to tell stories. And the reason why is because it's active. If you go to a movie, you're watching the director's vision. And you may have a different vision about how that character looks and about how the character acts and how about that. That's why most people, when they read books, uh -huh. and they go to see the adaptation of the book on screen, they don't like it. But in audio, you create that look. You create it all. Now, I can sit here and describe all of that to you. What you just described to me in that Left Behind series, I had a mental picture of what I think all of that looks like. You know, you two guys had two different ones. So everybody creates their own. It's all active. The listener is part of the creative, you know, they create that story in their right. heads. That's why I, I think that really good art is not telling a viewer or your, the person who's observing your work, you're not telling them, this is what my thought is. This is exactly how I want you to observe it. It's directing their imagination right. so they can see a picture, but in their own way. Exactly. But I just want to agree with you, though, like with uh, as far as radio drama, I think it's just a totally magnificent and beautiful way of telling stories and directing people's imaginations. It's just, it's not, it doesn't seem like it's as big of a thing anymore. Like, how do you think we can still fit radio drama into the current culture that we have now? People do lament radio drama as being dead. And then when I say that, I get several responses from people saying, it's dead. What are you talking about is dead? There's this program, this program, this program, this program, this program. There are tons of programs out there. I think that what's happened is that money talks. And so they haven't made a lot of money off of radio drama yet. However, audiobooks are becoming enormously huge again. And that's a form of audio storytelling. 
the bigger thing for me is we even had to face this when we first started Adventures in Odyssey. People would come in and say, I understand you have a program and it's for kids. And my kids would really like to have a program and it's a good alternative program. What is it? And so the people in the bookstore or somebody else they would call us up and we'd tell them what it is. And so what is it? Is it a video? No, no, it's an audio program. Oh, my kids won't, they won't like that. And we said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you take this home and play it for your kids? It was always like 99 times out of 100. <laughs> Within a week, they'd come back and go, do you have any more of these? My kids have never <laughs> sat still that long in their lives. You know, so they, most I think kids a lot more people would appreciate the genre of audio storytelling if yeah. they would give it a chance. It's just, it hasn't been introduced to so many people. Right. It's been some time um, since you were brainstorming with Steve Harris you know, we talked about, you know, the backstory and, and a show getting canceled and never getting to tell that backstory. Did you ever think that you'd get to to tell all that, to play all that history out and that the show would go for 25 years? No, I, I can tell you that I had no idea that this was going to happen. Interestingly enough, we were, <laughs> we were in the studio and Dr. Dobson had a studio right across. And it just so happens that one day we were both recording. We finished at the same time. So we came out and everybody met in the hallway. And Hal Smith was sitting there, and so everybody introduced everybody to everybody else, and it was fun. And we had a little, you know, brief conversation. Everybody's joking around. And um, Dr. Dobson said, we're going to do a 1,000 of these. Oh. <laughs> he said, yep, we're going to do a 1,000 of these. And Hal said, I, that sounds good to me. Let's do a 1,000 of them. That sounds great. Well, you know, now they're at, what, 700, and, and it keeps chugging along. So I think they're going to get to a 1,000. Maybe the 1,000th episode will be the final one, but maybe it'll go on longer than that. I'm hoping they do another 25 years. That's a tall order, but uh, yeah. So I just want to say one final thank you to Phil for being on the show. The guy was a blast to talk to. I really feel like I learned a lot from him just in the few minutes we had talking to him. Like, I look at movies and stories all completely different now just because I'm realizing a little bit more about what goes into them. It's just, it's, it's crazy. I'm just going to mention one more time before I go, if you want to hear Phil Lawler continue to tell you stories in your ear face drums, then you need to go support Iliad House on Kickstarter right now. Just go over to kickstarter.com, search Iliad House, and back that junk. I Anyway, that's all for this episode. I'll see you guys next time. For the Odyssey Scoopcast, this is Garrett Vandenberg. Peace out, son. Two yellows. Ah, oh, man, I'm stuck in the gooey gumdrop. Think board games are just for kids? Think again. Introducing The Fellowship Gamer, a new podcast from the Blimey Cow Audio Network. Discover amazing, fun, and smart board games that will leave you wanting more. Every Wednesday, Josh and the gang review a brand new game and help you decide which games are winners and which do not pass go. So don't leave your fun to chance. Check out the Fellowship Gamer podcast and put some strategy to your playtime. Brought to you exclusively by the Blimey Cow Audio Network and MiniatureMarket.com. Find out more at BlimeyCow.com.